Hello and welcome back to the Father Daughter Book Club. I'm Kalia, the daughter. And I am Chris. Guess what relation I am? <laughs> of course, you're the father. <laughs> Clearly. Really? Clearly. What if I wanted to be the daughter today? <laughs> Why would you want to be the daughter? Just to switch things up a bit. <laughs> what? Hello, okay, I'm the daughter. So you're going to act like me today. <laughs> oh, not entirely. Okay, that I, I've had enough of being the daughter. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, now that that's aside, <laughs> today we are going to be discussing The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. And just a friendly reminder again. We are going to be discussing the whole entire book, so if you don't want any spoilers, you know, pause, finish reading if you haven't already, and wait, and... Yeah, when you're done reading, then come back to us. We're not going to go anywhere. Well, we might, but if you pause it... No, that's what I'm saying. If they pause, <laughs> go finish reading, and then come back to us, it'll be fine. Yeah. Anyways, so The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, as I said already, is by... Mm, it was published on March 14th, 2006, and it has won the National Jewish Book Award for 2006, the Book Sense Award for Book of the Year 2007, and the Book Browse Ruby Award of 2007 also, and it was also a New York Times bestseller. And it was also adapted into a film in 2013, which was like five years ago. Oh my gosh. It's so old. <laughs> it's but not that it's old. It's just 2013 is already five years ago. Yeah. It seems like it was not that long ago for me. But it's weird because whenever I would be reading it, everyone would say, oh, have you seen the movie for that? Oh, have you seen the movie for that? And I'm just like, I didn't even know that there was a movie. <laughs> I just knew about the book. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, I think when the movie came out, it, it had a lot of, I wouldn't say hype around it, but there was definitely a lot of publicity. And I think because the, the book, book was so well received, like, like you said, it was a New York Times bestseller. And I think it was a New York Times bestseller for like 10 years. So it did really well, and it had a big following. And I think, for the most part, all of that attention and adulation was well earned. It's a very good book. It's just very sad. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely sad. It was. I didn't expect that. So before we get into some of the details, let's read the synopsis. And the synopsis we, we got from Goodreads and says... Set during World War II in Germany, Marcus Suzak's groundbreaking new novel is the story of Liesel Memminger, a foster girl living outside of Munich. Liesel scratches out a meager existence for herself by stealing when she encounters something she can't resist, books. With the help of her accordion-playing foster father, she learns to read and shares her stolen books with her neighbors during bomb raids, as well as with the Jewish man hidden in her basement before he was before he is marched to Dachau. This is an unforgettable story about the ability of books to feed the soul. I always thought that it was Memminger, but it's a P. 
apparently Memminger. Apparently. Yeah, I, I when... think every time that I saw the name and I read it to myself, I pronounced it differently each time. Sometimes I would say it with the soft G. Other times I would say it with the hard G. I think now, like you said, it's well, it's supposed to be Memminger. I like it Memminger better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do. So one of the, the more interesting things about the way this book is written is the fact that death is the narrator. Si, senor. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever read any other books where death is the narrator. I don't think I've read many books where the narrator is not involved directly in the story. I, well, most of the books that I've read are from the first person view. Generally speaking, right? Yeah. Like most books tend to be first person or sometimes third person, but usually, again, from the perspective of someone in the story. Mm-hmm. This one, Death, is kind of removed from the story. He inserts himself a little bit here and there, but he's pretty much an observer. So I thought that was extremely interesting, and it, it gave the book a, a very unique voice. And my friend also read this book. My friend and I are the same. My friend and I, we keep reading the same books. And it's yeah. funny because first we read Uglies and now it's this book. She's still not finished though. Well, maybe she is because she's reading another book. But it's funny. And do you like Death as the narrator? I do. The way that Death views the the world and this this book takes place during world war ii and so death is a very busy person or mm. not very person i guess a very busy <laughs> thing happening entity right <laughs> so he's constantly picking up souls and and um it's the busiest his busiest time really he says he was pretty much everywhere during this time period and so I think it gives the book an ex- interesting voice, an interesting perspective. Um, he, the way Death describes things. Very it, interesting. It's it cool to me. And I think it allowed, um, I am going to say his name wrong again, Zusak. Zusak. It gave him the ability to use a lot of metaphors and like poetry almost. Because Liesl starts the book out as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And if Liesl were the narrator, or if you know, if the book was written from her perspective, I don't think Zusak would have been able to describe things in quite the the way that he was able to by using death as the narrator. I like it better. I think, from what I imagine, like the book, if it was in, if it was told in Liesl's perspective, I don't think I'd have liked it as much. But what I really enjoyed was the little side notes. Right. The those call outs. Those call outs like the specific things that he wanted to specifically um mention as another well not another thing, but kind of expanding on it a little bit. And I've never read any book like that and I really liked it. Yeah, they're kind of asides. Mm-hmm. It's like he would use them to Describe, yeah, describe thing in more detail or explain it in more detail. And imagine, like, have you have you ever watched a play and 
sometimes a character that's involved in the play will step aside and then speak directly to the audience. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what he's doing there. But in book form. Right, but in book form. So he's like taking a break. Oh, and then this is what this means. And this is where this city is. And and so, yeah, I thought it was very um, useful, all those asides. Um, so today when we talk about any questions that we have, we're going to relate them to specific passages. Yeah, I, because, well, I don't have them all listed out here and we won't discuss them all, but. um, Ones that stuck out to us. Ones that stuck out in this book. I just, I love the language of this book. I love the way that Susag writes. And I think, like I said, because he used death as the narrator, it afforded him. The ability to use really interesting descriptors and uh yeah it you know how they say you know words paint the picture this book for me did it extremely well the the words were interesting very, not just interesting but they were impactful and meaningful and colorful what you usually do you told me that you don't usually read a book in this much detail that you did with this book, you read every word by word, which you don't usually do. Kind of skip right. Well, past a couple. I skim, passages. you know, and then probably a bad habit of mine, but I, I'll skim a page and try and find important things that I need to go back and then read more in detail. And so sometimes I don't like. I'll skim a page and I'm like, well, there's nothing. Like this whole paragraph is just. The author using an entire paragraph to describe what a room looks like. It's like, well, that's, I don't really care, you know, so I'll just <laughs> skip that whole paragraph. But in this book, the way he describes him, like he's describing the way the sun looks. And, oh, here, let's just give an example. The day was gray, the color of Europe. Well, what the heck is the color of Europe? But it just makes you think, okay, what color would Europe be? Well, at that time. Gloomy. Well, yeah, when you think about that time, I and mean, Europe is war torn at the time. And so saying that the day was the color of Europe really gives you an idea of, of how that day was. And here's another another line. One, and one was delivered by a soft yellow dressed afternoon. Like the afternoon is wearing this color. It just says, oh, so it's passages like these that made me want to read every single word in the book without skipping anything. Yeah. What did you think? I thought... Like, some of the metaphors I didn't really understand, but I still thought it was really good. There are a lot of parts that gave me a bit of a little chuckle or a little giggle. It was like, <laughs> like yeah. that was funny. And he's very, it seems like he's very humorous. The writer, Marcus Zusak. Yeah, there's definitely moments of levity and also very serious moments <laughs> and moments of tragedy. Obviously. So we already talked about um, death as the narrator. So like, as as you said, we're going to go through some some of the things that death was saying and and ask questions related to certain passages. So the first passage that I wanted to bring up is death saying, You see to me for just a moment, despite all of the colors that touch and grapple with what I see in this world, I will often catch an eclipse when a human dies. What do you think he means when he says he will catch an eclipse? I think, well, from the definition of eclipse, it means when the sun and the moon cover right. each other. 
So what I think he means is that he sees, like, these colors colliding or covering each other to make something. <laughs> so I think it. I think of it as different than that. So an eclipse, when an eclipse happens, it, it casts a shadow, right? Because the moon is blocking the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, at least with a... I think that's what it is, depending on if it's a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse, right? But let's say whichever one where the moon blocks the sun and then it casts a shadow. So typically, and he uses this method very often, we already talked about the yellow dressed afternoon where death describes things in color, like what he sees, how he perceives the world is this colorful place. Well, when a human dies, it's like a shadow being cast over all that color. Because it's a dark spot. That's what I took that to mean. Well, I wasn't really sure. I was very confused, but I think I liked yours better. No, I mean, the beautiful thing about the way this book is written is that it's these metaphors are open for interpretation. Mm -hmm. So that was the way I interpreted it. But if I like the way how you interpret it, if you have your own, that's fine. There's no wrong way or better way. It's just you know different different viewpoints. So another one is if her mother loved her, why leave her on someone else's doorstep? Why? Why? So I chose this passage not because it had some colorful language that I wanted to discuss with you. Just I wanted to get your opinion of why you think, because we should give some background here on Liesl. So Liesl, at the very beginning of the book, is being taken by her mother somewhere basically to a foster family and it's actually her her brother and herself but unfortunately on the trip there her brother dies and then her mother drops her off at the at the foster family and leaves and so this question here if her mother loved her why leave her on someone else's doorstep i think is really important in terms of liesel's emotional state throughout the entire book really so i'm curious what why do you think her mom would leave her in that situation. I think because she thinks that she just wants the best for her. And she can't provide her or give her the best life that she wants her to have with herself. And she feels like with someone else, she will get that chance. Yeah, I think there's a little hint of this. So I, I kind of highlighted this passage as I was reading it. And it hinted at an answer later on in the book where I think Liesl is having a, maybe it's a discussion at school or something with her foster father and the, the notion of communism comes up. Mm-hmm. And so he asks, you know, was, was her mom communist? And so he had to, you haven't learned yet about world war two, right? In school. Not really. I know the basics of it, but. So I think in uh, in Germany at that time, if you're caught, it's similar, like you, you know that if you're caught as a Jew, like Jews were persecuted in that country and pretty much anywhere that the Nazi party spread. So the Nazis are a political party. Communism is a political ideology. And so I think communism and Nazism were at odds with one another. So if you were a communist in Nazi Germany, that was a bad thing. And if Liesel's mother was a communist, then like you said, well, maybe she felt that her kids would have a better chance 
somewhere else because they knew that there she knew that the, the the Nazis would eventually come for her. That's what I think, but it it the actual reasons I think are less important than how Liesel is dealing with it at this point in the book. Because this is early on in the book and she's still coping with the loss of her brother and the loss of her mother because she never sees her mother again. I think there was some expectation or maybe... Uh, maybe she, like, hoped that she might hope, come back. Right, that, you know, her mom would at least write her, communicate with her somehow. But she never, never does. And so the impact that that has on Liesl, I think, is extremely important. So the next passage that I, I wanted to discuss is this. This one takes place uh, maybe midway through the, well, probably further than midway through the book. Liesl has already stolen multiple uh, books, a, a few books, right? She stole one from the pallbearer. It's a pallbearer? Maybe not pallbearer. I remember she stole from one. The gravedigger. Yeah, the grave digger. That was the first one, and then she stole one from the, the burning. fire. And then she She's... ends up stealing one from the mayor's wife. Not one, well, multiple from the mayor's wife. Right. And, and she actually ends up developing a friendship with her. So, mm, I don't know if I would call it a friendship. But <laughs> a relationship. It's an interesting relationship. But this passage here says... Liesel Memminger was a criminal, but not because she'd stolen a handful of books through an open window. And that open window is the one to the mayor's wife's library. And so if she's not a criminal for stealing books, what do you think makes her a criminal? Why would death describe her this way? I'm really not sure. I was kind of confused too. I think maybe because she stole her heart, maybe? Or someone's feelings. Yeah. That's an interesting... I, I don't have a theory on this one myself either. I just thought it was an interesting um, quote. Because the nickname that Liesl has throughout the book is is the book thief. But her thieving is not what makes her a, a lawbreaker. Something else is making her a lawbreaker. And I think it could be the fact that she's hiding a Jew in her basement. Or the fact that she's not a true Nazi. Right. Or maybe she's stealing something else. Um, I think because what we learned throughout her theft is that the, the mayor's wife really wanted her to have those books. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really um, thieving. thieving, you know, because the, mayor, the mayor's wife would have given them those books to her if she had asked. But she felt that, because she ended up letting go of her mother and or her foster mom, and I think she didn't want to accept the books because it was her way of bribing her to like not be mad at her. But you know, it was her way of bribing her or to not make her feel as bad. Like, here, have this book I'm giving, I'm letting go of your mom. Mm, yeah, okay. And so I felt like because she feels that way, that she doesn't want the books. So, but she, she does, but she doesn't. So in order to get the books, she has to steal them. Yeah, I, I think that could be a very open-ended question. Why is she considered a criminal? 
and you've explored some of the the different ways that she could. I want to read you one of one of my favorite passages from the book. Okay. And we don't have to discuss much about it, I guess. I just I just really like well, so maybe we will. <laughs> right. So this one says, "Of course I'm being rude. I'm spoiling the ending, not only of the entire book but of this particular piece of it. I have given you two events in advance because I don't have much interest in building mystery. Mystery bores me." It chores me. I know what happens and so do you. It's the machinations that wheel us there that aggravate, perplex, interest, and astound me. There are many things to think of. There is much story. And the reason why I wanted to bring this passage up, this quote, is because we mentioned at the very top of every show, of every episode, before we start talking about a book, to beware of spoilers. Mm-hmm. What this... What this book does a couple of different times is flat out tell you how the book is going to end so the book spoils itself but what oh that's funny right (laughs) so but he but he says but look i'm not being rude i'm not spoiling the end well he says i'm spoiling the ending but knowing what happens is not that critical he doesn't, he's not, the, the narrator here or Zusak in general is not interested in building mystery. What he wants you to gain from this story are the things that happen along the way. How does the book reach that point? And so what he spoils here is the fact that Rudy dies, right? I remember like just before, I know, it was so, so sad, right? But so we know that Rudy dies. Mm-hmm. He tells us Rudy's going to die before before this book is over. And uh, I'm a person, you know, there are people who uh, really, really hate spoilers. And I'm not one of them. I don't either. But a lot of people do. Like, oftentimes I'll be in the middle of watching, say, a TV series. Mm-hmm. And say I've watched a few episodes. Say, of course, it has to be have, have been completed already, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll watch a few episodes. I'm like, man, I'm really enjoying this series. And then what I'll do, I'll look up the story. I'll look up things about the series, things about the story, that particular season, maybe how it ended before I even finish it. And for me, it doesn't spoil the experience for me. It just gives you more knowledge. Actually, it makes me look forward to how the storytelling will reach that point. Like, how will they resolve this situation how you know what devices will they use to get there and so like it's more about the journey than the destination Mm -hmm. and so sometimes that like the spoiler that he gave here rudy's gonna die well there's so many interesting and important things that happen along the way that when it so that it actually kind of braces you you know rudy's gonna die and and so these things that happen along the way between Rudy and Liesel. And we did, did we describe who Rudy was? Rudy's Liesel's best friend. Yeah. Although Rudy, from the very beginning, has a crush on Liesel. And he becomes best friends with her. I think they both actually like each other. They just become friends instead of in that way. Well, no, they become friends, yes. But I don't think Liesel understood just how much she loved him until the end. Which is so sweet, but so sad. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, so much happens at the end. Like, what I wasn't expecting 
we know that Liesel dies, or not Liesel, we know that Rudy dies, and we know he dies as a result of a bomb. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect is that it was going to kill everybody else, too. Yeah. <laughs> that part got me. I was like, oh, no, not Hans, not Rose, like, everybody? <laughs> not just Rudy? But no! his, Rudy's, his, oh, yeah. It was so sad. I think, what did you ask me? You asked me if I if I read that on my own without crying? Yeah. No, of course, I cried. When, because we read the ending together, and I was literally just like, <laughs> yeah the first time i read it too i cried and that's why i've never seen well actually i take that back i've seen you cry once or twice but that's why when i when i knew you were approaching that section of the book i said let's read this together because i knew it was (laughs) it was gonna be emotional it was emotional for me so and i'm way more emotional than you are and that's why i didn't want you to read that on your own and it was, uh, yeah, extremely devastating that her whole family, like, this is a person who Liesl de- most definitely has abandonment issues. And now the people who she thought she could depend on until they died, died! <laughs> yes. But fortunately, Max is not uh, impacted by the bombs that destroy yeah. her town. And... After the war is over, Max comes back to her. So I thought that was... Sweet. Like, Liesl finally got a win. There's parts of the book where um, Death talks about Rudy needing a win because so many... um, Bad things were happening. Yeah, bad things, like losses. He was getting bullied at school and, um, you know, things happened with his... His dad ended up getting, uh, I think, shipped off and lots of, you know, just losses he was taking l's left and right and uh death's like rudy just needed a win and so they went to go and i guess steal something or you know do something so that rudy could feel better about himself and i would say the same thing for for liesel like like i said her her mom leaves her her brother dies then max even though he had lived with them for a couple of years ends up leaving and uh, just like loss after loss in in Liesel's life, and then her this bomb destroys the whole town, and she luckily survives. Like just, I'm I was astonished she survived. Right, right. But I didn't think that they'd kill off their main character. It wouldn't have surprised. I mean, the the book is narrated by death, so to have the book well they and they did eventually kill her off at the end what well, i mean she lived her whole life of that's course that's true um but it they don't go into much detail about the rest of her life right after the bombs after the war mm-hmm. they say well she moves to australia and she has she ends up having kids and grandkids and everything and lives a full life but they don't yeah he doesn't go into detail mm-hmm. with the rest of it but that one win like that was significant to me that max would come back um, this is the person who is probably in the most peril throughout the whole book, right? Because he's a Jew. In Nazi Germany. In Nazi Germany. And he's on the run. And he has to live in a basement. He never gets to see the sun. And so this person is, you know, they and they describe his backstory. is pretty much always under threat. And so this, the fact that he survives and is able to then be with Liesl at the end. That was 
Nice. That I was nice. It. it was a good win for both of them. Now, one of my favorites, just because it was really funny to me, was whoever named Himmel Street certainly had a healthy sense of irony. Not that it was a living hell. It wasn't, but it sure as hell wasn't heaven either. Yeah, I like... Again, that's... I thought it was really funny. More of that so clever a... wordplay. Clever word... Yeah, there's so much in this sentence, right? So he says, whoever named Himmel Street had a healthy sense of irony. And then he closes it, but it sure as hell wasn't heaven. So that wordplay giving... Going back... Calling back to the, the previous sentence where he says, there's a, sel- a sense of irony about Himmel Street. That it wasn't necessary. Well, and Himmel Street is one of the more poor streets. In that... Town that that town of mulching, yeah, yeah, that's the poor side of town. Um, and what part was really sad, and I was just like, "What are they gonna do?" Was if they killed him tonight, at least he would die alive. And they're talking about Max, Max, and the, I believe it was when they were raiding the basements. So let me let me ask you about that because that's a sentiment that comes up not only in this book, um. But in it's in movies and in TV shows, and you may encounter it just in life in general. At least he would die alive. I don't. I never understood when people said, "I I want them dead or alive, so or die alive." I never got so what they meant alive, by die dead, alive. So dead or alive is different. So you probably heard this expressed differently. Mm-hmm. This idea of. Of him, and I think the him they're speaking about is Max. Um, they are. Dying alive is more like living, being able to live your life to the fullest so that even if you die unexpectedly, at least you have lived, mm. right? Oh, I never understood what it meant. So I think that's what they're saying here is, um, you know, at least he had lived and as opposed to just having a, what's the word? kind of a meaningless life right Mm -hmm. if you that's what people say like people who take huge risks like people who jump out of planes or people who i want to jump out of a plane yeah well skydiving right so that's i want to go skydiving (laughs) or bungee jumping or you know doing those types of things give you this feeling of being alive right Mm -hmm. that thrill but then something could go wrong and you could die in that moment but you could say, well, at least you're alive at that moment of death. I think that's what this is getting at. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, Kalia, just overall, your overall feelings about this book. I mean, we talked about how it's, it was funny at parts and it was tragic at parts. I mean, just. I thought that it was a really well-written book and that I would definitely say to everyone, basically, that you should definitely read it. I mean, this is one of the only books that I would recommend to basically everyone I know. Yeah. There's only a few other books where I would say, yeah, you definitely need to read this book. It's so good. Um, But I have a question for you. Okay. Who was your favorite character? Maybe Rosa. <laughs> I liked the part where... She said um, she definitely did, the woman did have a heart much bigger than most people would expect. 
Right, and Rose. So Rosa, did we mention Rosa yet? Rosa is her you foster mentioned. is Liesel's foster mother, mm-hmm. and she seems like such a hard, intense woman. But it's a. I think it's just not necessarily a facade, but when it comes down to the important moments, like accepting Liesel into her home, accepting Max, and accepting Max into her home. And then when Max got sick, taking care of him, trying to help him get better. And then there's that the scene you asked me about, like, what does what did this mean? Where she goes to Liesel's school. Oh, yeah. And starts yelling at Liesel and pulls her out of the class. And it's all she did all of that just so that people just so that she could tell Liesel that Max is OK. Put on this entire show. Made and I think the words are you got to make them believe it, um, but you know just behaving in like you know this kind of sourpuss like I can't believe you you would do, you did you, this and I can't believe you where is my hairbrush please? right oh the hairbrush right yeah and just cursing up a storm and and then she curses a lot there's then, a lot of cursing yeah she curses she's the source of it right well most well most well, like most characters in the book curse. Well, do they? I know Liesel and well, Rudy definitely. Okay, so that's, but that's what I mean. Rosa is the source of it. Oh yeah, because Rosa curses at everybody. <laughs> so then Liesel picks it up and starts cursing at Rudy, and then Rudy picks it up and starts cursing back at Liesel. <laughs> so I think that's where it all it all starts with Rosa, and so <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what makes her my favorite character. Is is she's she's one of those more than meets the eye type of people where I think, you know, people probably misjudge her, mm-hmm. but she's, she's really a, a big hearted, kind hearted person. How about you? Who, who'd you have? Hans. Hans. Yeah. He, he's a cool guy. I like him. He's so nice. He was immediately accepting of her and he was the first person that Liesel actually trusted from the beginning that, she arrived in mulching yeah well obviously you know her mom is gone and and she's in this strange town no she doesn't know anybody and at that point she's 10 years old she's young and and there's rosa who's cursing at her telling her to get out of the car come inside the house and just being very um you know hard-nosed and hans is able to get through to her so he he becomes the first person she trusts, probably the first person she falls in love with. Not falls in love, but I mean like actually generally loves her as, loves him as her well, own. I mean, I don't mean fall in love romantically. <laughs> I know. You can fall in love with That's someone um, in a familial way, <laughs> which is what happened here, I think. So I I would agree with you, Kalia. I think I would recommend this book to anybody um it's one of the few books that we've read where um i'm actually not the plot is is good the characters are deep and and well thought out but for me it wasn't even though the book itself wasn't a page turner Mm -hmm. right like those there are books that you know just page turners and you just can't put it down you want to keep reading for me, this book wasn't like that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it wasn't a page turner. It was just like 
like we talked about at the beginning i was just enjoying the words <laughs> and it took me longer to read than most books you know i you usually can read a book less than a week yeah, typically less than a week. This book was longer, but then it even took me longer to read. I think it took me a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe even three weeks. It took me a while. January 12th to January 31st. Well, you know the exact days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, I just saw it on your Goodreads page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there, that's three weeks. It took me three weeks to read, and uh, I, I didn't mind, though. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Those books that take you a bit longer to read are, I feel, are the best books because they're not books that you want to just finish, just to finish them, but books that you know that you enjoy. Yeah, sometimes I'll read, and especially if it's a good book, like, like say Octavia mm-hmm. Butler's books. I really lo- love her, but sometimes I'll finish a book of hers in two or three days, and I'm like, man, that's it? It's, it's over already? Mm-hmm. But this book... Because I took my time with it. Um, You're content. Yeah. At the end of those three weeks, it was just like, okay, yeah. I enjoyed that. I'm. It's over now. I'm, I wasn't craving more. I didn't feel like, um, but I didn't feel like uh, it took me too long to read either. It's just a, you know, a really good book to read. Good experience overall. And yeah, I think, I think it's a good book. Even though it's historical fiction, it's not one of these books that was written 50 60 100 years ago Mm -mm. that i think has a lot of value because some of the books that are written now like the books that we've read um like say wonder wonder is a great book and it has a good message but the writing itself is not something um that i would call great whereas this book i would say the writing in this book is tremendous Sometimes you have to go back to some of the older novels to get writing like this. But this book is written, what, 2006, 2005? Originally published 2005, but like became bigger or well, I don't so know. So the, the story behind that is it was published originally in Australia in 2005. And then published in the United States. 2006. And maybe wider in 2006. So yeah, that's that's my final thought on this book. So, the next book that we are going to be reading so is... So, that's it? Flag... Oh, that's it? We're done talking about it? I think so. I don't well, okay. have any questions. The book Thief. Woo! I thought it was interesting. So, one last thing I'll say. Um, I thought that there would be more thieving. I was very surprised how he... Like, the name of it made me think more of, like, oh, this evil criminal... Yeah, I thought she was going to go on these capers and find, like, books in other, you know, in odd places to steal. But no, it's really the two books that she kind of stole. Maybe three. To begin with. Maybe three to begin with, right? There's the, the, the first book at the Gravedigger's Handbook. The Grave Digger's Handbook. And there's the second book that she stole from the, the fire. Mm-hmm. And then the third book. Was... The Whistler. Is that the name of it? I think so. One of them I remember was The Whistler. And then the very first book she took. From the mayor's library. Maybe that was the Whistler. Because I remember pretty much those three books. After that, I mean, she kept taking books from the mayor. Like, she went back to the same place and kept taking books from there. But whether or not um, she was actually stealing those books is up for discussion. Because we we learn later that the mayor's wife knew she was taking them. That's why she left it open. She left the window open on purpose for her. So So I expect, but I expected there to be more thieving and there wasn't 
so the book was less about this girl who steals books and it was more about this girl who finds and her discovers love of book. not not just her love of books she discovers herself through through books mm. is, is what i took from it so i guess that'll be the last thing i say about this book but the next book that we're gonna be reading so pick it up in your local library or bookstore whatever is fly girl by sherry l smith and this book was recommended to us by, do you remember who? Kristen Levine. That's right. Yeah. So thank you, Kristen, for granting us the interview. If you haven't listened to that interview, go back. Uh, we posted it at the end of last year. So go ahead and check out that interview with author Kristen Levine. Who, of the Lions of Little Rock. That's right, Lions of Little Rock author. And, and she gave us some book recommendations, and this is one of them. So we're taking it. To heart, and we're going to read it. Yes. I'm actually really excited. Yeah, I, I am too. It's another, um, I think it's another World War II book, actually. It is. All right, so two World War II books in a row. But this book <laughs> um, is also another one that I think is good timing for us to read because it's Black History Month. Si, senor. <laughs> and this is about a, a black woman during World War II who wants to become a pilot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, it'll be it'll be a good read, good timing. Yo. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's it. I think we're we're done. Yes, I, I think, think we you. are. <laughs> All right, so before we get out of here, though, we have to remind you to subscribe so cool. that you our podcast anywhere. Right, so that it, so you don't miss any episodes in the future. We don't post on a regular schedule anymore. We kind of just get episodes out when we can. Like so, when we finish a book and then we, but we can't record. So we do it the next week. <laughs> if you if you aren't subscribed and you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe. You can do so at our website, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. Or you can subscribe to us on Goodreads. Not Goodreads. Not Goodreads. What am I talking you about? You can subscribe Pocket to us on Casts. Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Is it iTunes too? Well, I, they've changed the name. It's, it's they're calling it Apple Podcast now instead of uh, iTunes. Okay then. Okay. I didn't know that. And uh, so yeah, go ahead and and subscribe to us there. If you have any thoughts about the book, we just about the book thief or any of the other books that we're reading, please leave us a comment. We'd love to discuss with you and get feedback from you. Or if you just want to leave us a recommendation. As I said. I, we love getting book recommendations. Yeah, and... we, we got this recommendation from Kristen Levine. And we we're happy to get more recommendations for future books. And, you know, we have a chance to read some of your books and discuss them. And see our feedback on what your favorite book is. What is your favorite book? Let's not get into that right now. Okay, then. So, but thank you for listening to this latest episode of Father Daughter Book Club. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.